Blog Talk Radio. Glad to have y'all here with us tonight as we are in our final episodes of the 2023 season. We're in the final races of the 2023 season. We have a lot to reflect back on. What a year it's been. The addition of Miss Lee coming on uh, board and and joining the show. Um, Structure has changed the way that we've done things. We've tried We've tried several things this year that uh, we've never done before, and some things were good, some things weren't. We were able to grow from that, and uh, and we've had the addition of the uh, Race Chat Live, Winter Nation Sports Race Chat Live exclusive interview, where we went old school and brought back uh, the old interviews, and uh, it's been really fun doing that uh, with uh, Mr. CJ Sports. Of course, you can find those on Monday night. Uh, last night's was uh, one of the coolest interviews I think I've ever done uh, with Parker uh, Starpoli, uh, Patrick Star. Patrick Starpoli. Oh, my gosh, that kid. Wow. And he's not a kid either. He's 33 years old, a doctor, a surgeon, a Harvard graduate. Um, did an amazing interview last night. Me and Mr. CJ Sports uh, really enjoyed that one, and uh, it'll be one that I've will remember for a very long time uh, to come. Um, you know, most shows I probably have some. Um, I did over the weekend. Somehow I become a famous uh, race car announcer. 
I don't know how that happened. Um, racetrack announcer, but uh, I'm, I'm famous now, so uh, I guess we'll be flying in Lear jets and uh, smoking big cigars and um, all the other things that come with people getting famous. So um, outside of that, you know, I'm signing autographs all the time, I, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I had a great weekend. Of course, it was the Fall Classic, and uh, you know, it's amazing what technology does and the streaming services and how. You know, you find yourself becoming, or be, you find yourself in a position that you've admired your whole your whole life. Uh, I've always been a race fan. I've always heard commentating from racing. I've always been, you know, um, at the edge of my seat with racing. Most, you know, like my dad took me to dirt track. Um, I didn't go to my first cup race until I was a grown man. Um, so a lot of my racing was behind the TV and hearing commentators and broadcasters, you know, people from Chris Economaki to Ned Jarrett and um, Ken Squire, uh, you know, Eli Gold, so many of the, so many of the good ones to, you know, Dale Jarrett and Rusty Wallace and um, the, the ones who are, you know, there now, Daryl Walter and uh, of course, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Boy, we've come a long way, I guess, in commentating. So I don't know where I fit in that style of broadcasting, but I, let me tell you, I'm just privileged to do the job that I that I have, and uh, it's just uh, I appreciate all the support that I get, and I appreciate my family um, for uh, allowing me the opportunity to not just do that, but also come on here with uh, with you guys and, and talk racing. So that was my rant. That was my that was my gig for the day. Miss Lee Reed, how are you today? Taz Taylor, how are you, Good sir? Evening. We missed I'm last week because of technical difficulties. I feel good knowing that, you know, the one show I could actually try to tune into and actually talk to you guys, because, you know, I couldn't talk to you guys for a few days because Facebook is, you know, far on the left side <laughs> of this bullshit, but whatever. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and that's amazing, like, you know, all that happened last week and whatnot. And, of course, this week, Kyle Larson wins, and everybody knows I don't like showing up for work when Kyle Larson wins because I'm just, I'm just Kyle Larson over, I'm fatigued uh, by this guy. He's, you know, the uh, the reincarnation of, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be all the hoopla and all the hype, Kyle Larson. In the in the championship race, I'm surprised it already hadn't started, but uh, I'm sure as the races go along, that's all we'll hear from commentators is, um, you know, Kyle Larson racing for a championship. So they'll crown him before he even gets there, um, and that's fine too. But uh, you know, the show must go on, so I am here, and we're going to talk a little bit about racing. Of course, you know. Guys, we reflect back on the season. You know, silly season's about over with. Yeah, we, we've heard a little bit of your news. Sheldon Creed, Sheldon Creed asked for his dismissal at Richard Childress Racing. Um, John Hunter Nemechek's going to jump over into the 42 uh, for this upcoming race. There's been little bits and pods of, you know, information that's come out. But for the most part, there is a rumor, I believe, uh, Noah Gregson may wind up at the 10 car over at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, outside of that, you know, our silly season's over. 
it's uh it's been a heck of a season. It's been a grind. I, I Miss Lee, um, I thank you for your dedication. You know, this is new for you. Uh, you've played a lot behind the scenes, and I know that at times it must have been almost a struggle for you. I, if you think that every single time that I've come on at night on Tuesday that this is what I really wanted to do, that I didn't have, a you know, my mind in a million other places, uh, man, but somehow or another after every show that we do together, I know that uh, I've got the right crew around me and I, and I, and I feel bad that I, that I feel that way sometimes, but you know, it, it is the, the pressure of life and everything else. And you just want to throw your hands up and say, I give up, but keep on. And I know you do too. And that's what I admire the most about you, Miss Lee. Thank you for joining us this year and uh, making well, this uh, a journey that uh, I don't know how we got here without you. I really don't. I don't think we did get here without you. I think we've needed you every step of the way. And now I think in a former way, you, in, in some kind of weird way, you need, you needed us. And that's how this happened. And, uh, well, and we love you're you. Make, you're making me blush, Chris. Come on now. Well, yeah, let's talk it's, about racing it's been a quick. struggle. The past, the past year's really been tough for me, but you know what? And and there are there have been nights that I've been like, nah, I don't think I want to do this, but it's like, nah, I better. <laughs> and you know what? And 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 it's gr- and it's been great, and it's been good for me. So that's amazing. That makes my heart feel good. All right, so um, Taz, uh, you're back. Uh, unfortunate last week and getting in Facebook jail and all, but we're behind all that now. And you're a free man, and uh, so you know what what we've seen the last couple of weeks. I think it's I think the biggest news right now is the Ryan Blaney penalty. Um, I'd like to know some of you guys' thoughts, especially that when the penalty come down versus how quick it was rescinded. Have we ever seen a penalty rescinded before? Um, you know, I, if anybody caught Dave Moody on Monday, he was really quick to start throwing people under the bus after saying that there was no performance issue along with the, the uh, shock being shorter, uh, but then went on to say um, that uh, teams that were behind the ball were going to push whatever it took to get in, which told me that Everything he said in the beginning was just BS because if they're pushing the limits, then they're going to push limits in areas where they can get a performance enhancer out of it, right? They're not going to push the issue if it's not going to help performance, right? So um, that's kind of where we are, and I want to know you guys' thoughts on what you know what transpired here. Ryan Blaney uh, was disqualified. And then NASCAR come in later and rescinded the disqualification and claimed that it was a problem in the template. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Taz Taylor. What are your thoughts on how that process happened? And what do you think? Uh, you know, I mean, it's you know, it's your opinion. I want to hear it. Well, I. I am giving NASCAR some props because they came out and said that because as quickly as the penalty was handed, it was about just about as quickly rescinded. Um, 
and they did admit where the problem was in terms of where NASCAR went wrong. And I'm glad they were, I'm glad they didn't, you know, hide behind the eight ball with a lot of the penalties that have been handed out this year. Um, But in my opinion, you, in my opinion, I feel like if you are going to post straight tech these cars right after the race, you should have everything good to go. Meaning if you, it doesn't matter if it's a little measuring device, I don't care if it's a little scanner that checks things over, um, but it's just that if you, you need to have all your ducks in a row before you have cars start going through your tech shed. I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, you say here and have Ryan Blaney, who's got, you know, a legit shot next race to try to gain some points and get himself in the championship four. Then you disqualify him. And, now he's basically then he was in a basically must win situation, and yeah, they corrected the problem twenty four hours later, but I mean, I'm sure Ryan Blaney and Penske were sitting there like, "Oh crap, we got disqualified now we got to go back to the drawing board to figure out how to get ourselves not only in the top five but in a must win situation where we got to be running up front. We don't have a choice at this point because we get we don't have much room to play with for points. Well, All right. I, you know, I, I agree that it was good that NASCAR, you know, came back and said, okay, we were wrong, if, you know, from the get-go. But you know what? They should have had all of that done and said before they announced the DNQ. You know. I agree. I, I, I agree with with you to a point, Miss Lee, but I'm going to bring something to the table here that I think is going to it's going to relate to it almost exactly. Okay. That, that, that would be is this is this a type of situation where uh, when you go to you show up to the courtroom and say, "Hey, uh, was that uh, radar recently calibrated?" Right? Was that what is that how this issue was handled with with Penske? Did Roger Penske pick up the phone? and called NASCAR out on something that had to do with the template because we don't know exactly what was wrong with the template. We know that there was a malfunction in the template used to judge it. But what Dave Moody stated was that they had take they had been informed, NASCAR had been informed that teams were eating up the metal in these components to stretch them out, but when they went so that when they went rolled through tech, they were uh, longer. But when the metal cooled off, it would tighten it up and it would make it in a different spot. So if they knew that much information about the type of malfunction that this shock would have uh, somehow mysteriously become shorter than the rest of them, then obviously there was uh, a reason to check um, Ryan Blaney's right shock, right? And so what what I believe has happened here is somebody called Checkmate 
on the template that was actually used. So it's not saying that uh, Ryan Blaney didn't actually do something. Ryan Blaney's shot wasn't that it, it probably was something wrong with it. Just the part of being a template not showing up correctly or something to that point, I, I believe, is where um, NASCAR was forced to rescind it. I mean, does that make uh, – do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it, that makes sense. But still, NASCAR knows there's very little wiggle room for these guys with these cars. So I think it's on NASCAR that they should have had, like like Taz said, they should have had all their ducks in a row. Right. My, before my next announcement. Right. My my second question would be to this is did did Penske mislead? Did Penske get special treatment? Could could Maury Gallagher have called NASCAR and called him out on the same thing that Roger Penske did? Because it, you know, we've seen uh, we've seen a situation with Hendrick where a penalty was rescinded at a time where it was supposed to be. Then we've seen the situation with the wheel set and Brad Keselowski, and that penalty was basically um, you know it went through appeal process. This is the first penalty that I've ever seen NASCAR actually rescind on its own without going through an appeal process. Right. Which tells right. me which tells me that there's something a little bit different about how this was handled. This this isn't the typical uh NASCAR made a mistake here. This is somebody called out and said, wait a minute, that that specific device you're using doesn't really work and here's why. And then that's when NASCAR has to be like, oh so I don't know if that's the correct theory, but as the information has come out about this certain part and the reason why NASCAR would be looking there in the first place, similar to why NASCAR looked the windshield of Kevin Harvick, which is not just mm-hmm. a typical place, I think, that you would look. And then for Dave Moody to say that these teams are pushing whatever they can, the ones in the back, they have nothing to lose, trying to get into the championship. Right. So they are pushing the threads further than anybody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so 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 in that respect, NASCAR has to kind of widen their net. And maybe they widened it just a little too much this time and overstepped. Or, you know, like you said, did somebody make a phone call? Who knows? My question is, my question to this is, if they use this same template on every car, then how did Ryan Blaney get DQ'd and everybody else did not? See, that's another thing that leaves it into question of why. So there must have been a specific reason why NASCAR went to Ryan Blaney, just like the window of Kevin Harvey. But where they got on that was that template was not correct. And and somehow Penske knew that. Somehow somebody in the engineering department knew 
that the template that NASCAR was using was not going to give a specific or correct measurement. And this entire time, they probably sat with that in their back pocket and waited for the moment that, hey, we've got them in this area because they're not even checking it right. They're not checking it like it's supposed to be. So Right. You know, and, that, and, <laughs> and that goes back to where I'm saying, you know, there's very little wiggle room for these teams with these cars. And so, they had to have yeah, a reason some, why they went there, right? Somebody exactly. must, like you said, somebody on the engineering team saw something, and right. they took advantage of it. Right. And then when it was called out, it was like a, it was like an ace of spades in the back pocket. It was like a, a cheat code. Exactly. Hey, your template, your template doesn't work. Yeah, we'll correct the problem, but your template doesn't work, and we'll prove it to you. And that's where and that's where NASCAR said, Well, we don't want this to go to a field because we'll definitely lose it, so we might as well rescind it. And that, that had to have been a suck in the thumb moment for whoever it was in that damn office that had to tell the leaders of NASCAR that uh, you know, boys, I think we screwed this one up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Big Bill would not be happy right now. Because that's got to be embarrassing, right? NASCAR rescinded a penalty. I mean, you know, you don't hear that very often in the sports world. I just thought it was odd, and I thought, yeah, that, you, you know, know um, you don't hear that. You don't really hear that, in, especially in motorsports. Because I mean, post race tech, they usually say disqualification, and then you don't hear anything. Anything after that, you don't hear a right. series, or you don't hear a series, or a track, or anybody sitting here saying, "Here's a DQ," and then 24 hours later, "Oh no, not really." <laughs> it's usually the other way around. It's usually no DQ, and then all of a sudden you find out something. There's a DQ because right. somebody had the wrong tire, or somebody had the wrong fuel, or whatever. Right. More, most likely, this was a I got you moment, and that's uh, that you know it's only going to be a few of those uh, jokers in the pack or uh, whatever you want to call it in life. And uh, I think Penske was able to use that one. And hey, it keeps it keeps Ron Blaney in the race. And as a matter of fact, the second subject that I wanted to talk about was the effect that this would have on Martin Truex Jr. Look, you know, you had a dog shit race. Um, your crew chief tried to go all or broke when you could have just uh, uh, went out and ran uh, a race like everybody else. You know, it was kind of – I didn't understand the Hail Mary moment. Then, you know, after Blaney's penalty, I think they were plus three. I don't even know where they're sitting now, but I, I, I feel like Ryan Blaney probably put himself back above Truex uh, in the, at least the, the, the top four, right? So I'm not sure. No. Uh, no, where, no, no, no. Um, so when Blaney got penalized, he was like minus fifty three or something like that under the cut line. Right. He's he's still under the cut still line. Still minus. But he's but he's okay. minus seventeen right now above the cut line. Obviously Larson, who's moved on. Um, right. Byron sits plus nine. Truex and Hamlin both sit plus two. Bell's minus two under, 
Reddick is minus 16, Blaney's minus 17, Busher's minus 23. So, I mean, all those points Blaney scored up, literally, I'm sure him and Penske sat there. Was, um, I mean, that's a big difference, getting DQ'd, going from minus 17 to a minus 53. I mean, it's a, it's a night and day difference. You're going from we have a, we have a legit contendership versus we're now in a must-win situation early on. Yeah, and trust me, I feel like Ryan Blaney could really pull it off at Homestead regardless. Like, uh, you know, the last thing that you do is count a Penske car out, right? I think we found out over the years that's probably not uh, – uh, you don't count one of them out until they're officially out. Just like, you know, you you're not going to count out Kyle Larson, you know. Obviously, he's probably the most serious threat to win another championship. Uh, William Byron, uh, definitely – uh, could be there. I think that uh, the next this race for sure. Um, and Martinsville is typically a really good track for Hendrick. But what's interesting is how all those uh, I almost called them Pontiac Toyotas are all stuck there together. Um, you know, Bell, Hamlin, and Truig. You would think with the year that Hamlin had, you know, he's he's the guaranteed spot. Uh, but you know, at first, Ryan Blaney was out of this, right? Well, now he may make his way in, and he can, uh, you know, find himself in between uh, the Hendrick cars and maybe a Hamlin, I mean, uh, uh, Joe Gibbs car. Are we leaving Tyler Reddick out of this, though? We're going to Homestead, guys. My only concern with Reddick is Tyler Reddick the big upset. I believe Tyler Reddick could be the big jaw dropper, as Miss Lee has mentioned in the past, in the few, in the last few weeks. Reddick has been one of those drivers this year that you expect him to run well, and he doesn't. And then when you kind of won a championship at home, shows up. Tyler Reddick won a championship. Y'all quit laughing at me. That broke my heart. I had a big old piece of chocolate ice cream that fell on the floor. Um, Tyler Reddick won a championship at Homestead, guys. They doubted him then too. I mean, if you look at the round of eight tracks. Um, round of eight tracks, Las Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville. Um, these drivers have all won at these tracks on the cup side. And the reason why I say the cup side is because Reddick has two wins at these tracks, but they're on the Xfinity side. Exactly. Um, but Byron, Hamlin, Larson, and Truex are the only wow. four that have are the only four that have won at all three of these tracks. Now for this round, Reddick has won at two of these three, but as I mentioned, those are on the Xfinity side. Um, Ryan Blaney and Chris Busher have not won at any one of these three round of eight tracks. And Christopher Bell has only won at Martinsville. So, and I do want to mention what you mentioned, Chris, about Denny Hamlin 
in the Toyota side of things. You mentioned a couple weeks ago, I do believe, that this is – I personally believe if Denny Hamlin can figure out a way to beat these Hendrick cars, this is his championship. This is all set up for him. Because he can he runs well runs well at Martinsville and he runs well at Homestead. And he's a multi time winner he's a multi time winner in Phoenix. This is, this is if he can beat if he can beat Hendrick, this is his championship set in stone. Wow. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be something if his own car took him out of the chances for a championship. What if Tyler Reddick wins the race and Denny Hamlin misses it by three? Man. Well, he'd be a winner either way. Well, I think think like all the older veteran drivers you want to see, even though Denny's getting booed, I feel like the Kyle Bush haters had to go somewhere. And most of them jumped on the hate Denny <laughs> Hamlin bandwagon. And, but in reality, I think that even the people that hate him would like to see him get that championship just because the guy's got like 60 wins in the cup series, okay? You know, maybe one year it can go right for him. It's almost like everybody pulling for Dale Earnhardt to get that 500 win. Danny's got three of those. But no championship. But no championship. Isn't that, isn't that so odd? So he's, yeah. the modern day Mark, he's the modern-day Mark Martin, and I'm not saying that in a bad way either. Martin was loved. Mark Martin was loved by everybody. He was never booed. Denny Hamlin is booed. And people call him two-finger. I'm not really sure why that. The hamster, if you will. The hamster. Well, i tell you what. If he can get a cup championship, it would look sure look good on his wall. Um... You know, that's that's crazy. Like, right, we're down to eight guys. Chris Busher, I feel like, probably is the odd guy out. And there's probably not been a better consistent driver through any of the playoffs. Um, or really, uh, I've seen some stats that showed the old Winston Cup form, I believe, um, that actually showed Busher would be leading the championship. Could you imagine that? Chris Busher winning the old Cup-style championship format? Well, he's he's definitely proven himself to be a good driver this year. You know, he's he's definitely performed well. Right. So I believe I took. So with the Winston Cup standings, from what somebody's been documenting here, um, Denny Hamlin currently leads the point standings. Christopher Bell in second, six points behind him. Chris Busher sits 18 points behind in third. Uh, 
William Byron is fourth, minus 37, although I feel like William Byron probably would be either first or second um, had he not gotten that penalty earlier in the season. Um, Martin Truex Jr. is your top five, minus 48. Everyone else from sixth on back to about 23rd is triple digits behind. And from 24th through the rest of the grid is all four-digit points behind. Well, there you go. That's cool. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, we got eight guys. Only four of them are going to go race for a championship. Um, I, I don't know who to count out. I really don't. Uh, Martinsville and Homestead, that's what we've got left before we go to Phoenix. And, uh, you know, typically a, home, uh, a Homestead has um, you know, been a good track for Hendrick, I guess. They've won a few championships there over the years, especially in the with Jimmy Johnson era. Um, whether And Kyle Larson, of course, has already won a championship in the feet at Phoenix. So, you know, William Byron, I guess, is the one, you know, does William mess it up? The, uh, does he find a way to fall out of the Final Four? Uh, it would take uh, probably some wrecks and stuff for that to happen. But William has found himself quite a few times during the year uh, inconsistent. One week he'd be great, the next week he'd fall off. What do you got thoughts on William Byron? Yeah, I agree. There's there's too much inconsistency there. William Byron inconsistent? Oh, yeah. But he has been throughout the year. He's not, yeah, not, he, as, I mean, not I mean, as inconsistent as other drivers, but, yes, there has been inconsistency there. I feel I'd like probably Byron, think William Byron more than anybody. I feel like Byron has been – I feel like he's inconsistent, but I don't think he's been as bad as in the last few years. Because you got to remember, he – the last few years – where has he won his races within the first five races, and then you don't hear anything after that? Minus yeah, the one year where, minus minus the one year where he won at Daytona and knocked out Jimmy Johnson in the regular season. Um, but uh, this year he's actually won races in different areas, like he's won on a road course for the first time ever. He's won outside the first. I mean, yeah, he won in the. He won twice in the first five races of the season. He, he got a he got a win outside the first five races. Not much later after that. I kind of feel like, yeah, he's got in, inconsistencies, but I mean, who really doesn't? But he at least this. But this year, I feel like him and the twenty four team may have figured something out. Or at least improved where they were struggling. 
let's get to the uh, let's get to the final topic here tonight. Uh, definitely wanted to bring to light uh, everybody's biggest storyline of the year. Um, I know I have one picked out for. Mine, I can share it with y'all first, or I can wait and, and see what y'all say and uh, throw throw it out there if if it does. Uh, no, it's very go simple. Ahead. Go ahead and lead us no, off, Chris. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected Chase Elliott to have the year that he had, and really, the negative tone that's kind of been set for Chase at the beginning of the year, he was everybody's golden child. But now, as the season has progressed. And, you know, it's amazing that this kid's been around 10 years and we're in all of a sudden, maybe some of that shiny armor that's been all around him has uh, started to fade and maybe rust a little bit. Um, um, definitely the perception of Chase, I don't feel like, um, I, I do feel like it's changed in the negative context since uh, his incident, um, getting suspended by NASCAR, I think was not on my bingo card either. Um, penalties by NASCAR, it seems like maybe here of late they've kind of been picking on Chase Elliott almost. And then as we explored the thought of maybe Jeff Gordon not exactly all in on Chase Elliott, maybe Jeff Gordon thinks that Chase has maybe been a little bit too spoiled and a little bit too over um, – uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, cuddled, cuddled there at the uh, at the race team. You know, Jeff Gordon didn't have he didn't have a family name to feed off of, right? Maybe maybe Jeff Gordon didn't think Dale Earnhardt Jr. deserved his spot in racing. Where that's Jeff Gordon exactly had what two. I was going to bring up was Dale Jr. Right, that's you know, as, as much as he's loved. Right. Right. Did he deserve it? And Jimmy but Johnson Chase, and Jeff Gordon both were the, a name of their own. They made a name for themselves. It, well, yeah, exactly. You know, and and everybody thought that Chase was going to be, you know, the second coming of Jesus, and it's turned out that both personally and professionally, he ain't. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of my storyline of the year. I don't know if I had it um, thinking that, you know, Chase Elliott was going to lose some of his popularity. Well, he's been voted most popular me. how many years in a row now? Right. What's Ed's junior left? Well, we have seen we have seen the strength in popularity with Chase Elliott. If you look at viewership, because remember, when he wasn't in the the first six, when he wasn't in the six races because of injury, ratings dropped tremendously. And then when he came back, ratings were back up to where they normally are. Which is weird because, you know, even when he even when he led at Talladega, it wasn't the normal roar uh, 
that we've heard in the past when Chase Elliott took the lead. So um, it's definitely between that and I guess Kyle Busch uh, not getting booed storyline too. But what are you guys? Come on, I don't want to take nothing from y'all. What's um, your storyline? Twenty twenty three, Taz. Um, I was going to touch on something before I got to storyline of twenty twenty three, but. We've, we've mentioned junior, we've mentioned silly season, and Jared brought something up to the table yesterday in the group chat. Somebody said SHR made a mistake on Josh Berry because Josh Berry hasn't really performed in the cup level and this and that, blah, 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 during the substitute races. And junior says that he's the one to blame because he didn't give Josh Berry um, everything to be fully successful. We knew Josh Berry was going to go to the Cup Series, whether if it was going to be next year or in the next couple of years. We knew it was going to happen. But we have to sit down and think, is Junior, why, is junior should Junior really sit here and blame himself for losing Josh Berry or should should he not be because I feel like I feel like Josh Berry didn't really have a choice to go anywhere because he was either going to stay at Junior Motorsports or, and hope to God a ride opens up at Hendrick or Josh Berry was going to have to take things in his own manner because God yeah. forbid because God only knows <clears throat> if Junior will ever get a cup charter Right. Well, I think it's tough for for Junior to sit there and say that they didn't give Josh Perry what he needed. Well, what did they give him? You know, why didn't they give him? Like, was he not worthy enough to get the best? Is that what Junior's saying? Like, you know, where where did he come off? Did they? I know the whole focus was on getting Josh Perry um, a cup ride. So the moment that he signed that that. Uh, that contract back in, I guess, May, June. Um, so Junior just quit giving him good equipment. Is that what he's admitting? Because that's 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 a lot to uh, that's a, that's a handful there. Well, and you know, and like Taz brought up, where the heck was he going to go? Hendricks not getting rid of anybody, right? Right. So. You know, his only path to getting up into cup full-time was to look somewhere else. Can you blame the guy? And right. I just hope right. that uh, SHR can can do good by him. They haven't done well with him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like Hendrick now with Chase Larson – um, Byron and Bowman, I feel like we're seeing I'm not trying to compare, but this is the best way I can kind of explain it. I feel like we're seeing the best version of today's version of um, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Dale Jr., and I guess you could say Mark Martin or Casey Kane, whichever one you want to throw in the mix. Because Hendrick 
was in those four or five drivers for the longest time. Now those drivers have come and gone and did their time and years in their career. And obviously you have to go younger to get longer. And I feel like Hendricks got his long-term four drivers. So where was Barry going to really go? Right. Well, you know, I think Bowman, of course, is a big question mark. And and, uh, at what point in time does Chase feel that he needs to go somewhere else to better grow? Um, I think that that the uh, relationship between Jeff Gordon and Chase Elliott has got to improve or Chase Elliott will seek other places because he will continue to feel like he's not getting um, the proper treatment, the, the, the good equipment. Um, he will find, make an excuse in his own head of why Kyle Larson and William Byron are whooping him week in, week out. And he will he'll seek to to go somewhere else to prove that he's capable, and that's like he could be very well the biggest free agent move uh, from Hendrick Motorsports since maybe a Dale Earnhardt. Of course, Kyle Larson should have been, but the way that Kyle Larson was let go, and the way that it all transpired that from being a really big deal, it was kind of it was kind of kept under the smoke, so to speak, uh, so that. Uh, it wasn't a big deal about it. Um, but if Chase Elliott were to go to the free agent market, it would be the biggest story in NASCAR, and I believe above Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch moving uh, to Richard Childress because we all know Kyle Busch is at the peak of his career. Well, Chase Elliott should be three or four years away from the peak of his career. So um, it would definitely be – uh, big news, but, you know, whether or not Josh Ferry would stay in Xfinity until then, you know, um, I, I think the biggest thing was getting him a cup ride as quickly as possible. And look, he's going to replace Kevin Harvick. I think that um, Stuart Haas is going to get their uh, their race cars in better shape for next year. Ford has something, obviously. Uh, the RFK cars are not having any issue. Weekend, we got it. All racetracks, RFK cars have been fast, and they have Ford power under under them. So, whatever it is that the, that they're hitting on over the RFK, three the rest of the four you know, they, you know, Stuart Haas Racing will figure it out. And when they do, Josh Perry's going to be in a good position. There is good young talent over at SHR. I still know Chase Briscoe. Uh, is a talented race car driver. I, I believe that. I really do. I think Eric Amarola is not a talented race car driver. I think he's a seat filler. Um, Ryan Priest has other talent. Kid? It's there. Ryan Priest has a ton of talent, right? Um, if the equipment was better, we would see that. That would be on display. And I know Josh Berry has a ton of talent. So, um, for, you know, Junior to take it in his own hands that um, he wasn't given – a very uh, proper equipment. I, I don't think that's that's right. Sometimes things go your way. Sometimes they don't. Barry's been in a lot of wrecks. I don't think Dale Jr. is driving that car. So he, you know, I've seen Barry in a whole lot of wrecks uh, since June. Um, those are, you know, probably the reason why he hasn't necessarily had the finishes that he's uh, expected to because they're too busy rebuilding cars in the shop for him. Um, you know, that's how cars get names because they're fast and they show up and they win every week. Um, but, uh, you know, 
Barry's going to be fine. SHR is going to be fine. I believe they'll all get things going in the right direction here pretty soon. Um, so uh, what's the storyline? What's your biggest storyline, Ted? I feel like the big storyline this year, um, minus the Kevin Harvick um, final year cup racing deal. Well um, I believe in – Maybe this is a shocker. Maybe it's not. Um, what I believe we are seeing a resurgence of Kyle Busch. Um, I I understand this is RCR equipment, and I understand Kyle Busch is more a seasoned veteran, or at least getting to that point. But I believe with how Bush has been the last, I'll say two years, you can probably stretch it to three in comparison to how Bush has been this year, especially how he started. Um, I feel like we're seeing the Kyle Bush, the competitive Kyle Bush, we all know, um, which is a big turnaround. Because the last, what was it, the last two years, he's won two races. And this year, he's, in this year alone, he's won three, maybe four. Right. And he's certainly getting back to being mouthy with his team on the radio. Well, of course. Of course, that's Kyle Bush. That's who he wanted to be. Um, right. And he'll and he'll make he'll make that team better because of it. Like he he overperformed this year. I expected one win, and was afraid that the one the first win that he got was way too early, and the team was going to fall apart by the end of the year. Instead, they actually accumulated a couple more wins. They didn't finish as strong as what they wanted to, but at some racetrack, he was there. So I, I believe in this resurgence of Kyle Busch. I believe it's the resurgence of uh, not just Kyle Busch, but Richard Childress Racing. And if I could ask Mr. Childress to do anything, let's fire Austin Dillon and get another capable driver over there at the complex. That way uh, RCR can add his name to back to the I feel like, uh, I feel like RCR, the, RCR would be an excelling two-car team if they got rid of Austin Dillon and somehow managed to keep Tyler Reddick. I feel like Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick would have been a perfect duo, and they both would have launched RCR back to where we've seen RCR. And I know there's one storyline out there for the year that is probably missed, um, but I wanted to hit on the Kyle Busch deal because, as you said, Chris, not much was expected out of him because he was going from Joe Gibbs Racing, who is a top-tier team, to, I guess you can say, a mid-tier team of RCR. And Kyle Busch exceeded a lot of expectations. Well, and you get, you've got to remember, you know, Kyle is a seasoned veteran. And... He's a good teacher. Austin Dillon isn't a good student. 
Tyler Reddick would have been. Right. Yeah. The smartest thing Austin Dillon ever did was call Kyle Busch and bring him to Richard Childress Racing. Um, and that yep. will forever give Austin Dillon a, a, a seat at the table as a business uh, Richard Childress Racing. As for the driving side, I believe if Austin would look deep in himself, he would realize that he's holding the race team back and offer that seat to somebody that's a little bit more capable of bringing them wins, a superstar power that can, uh, you know, be in the shadow there of Kyle Busch and just help that team excel and become the powerhouse. Because right now you've got other teams surrounding them, brand new teams like Trackhouse and uh, 23-11 um, that have, you know, showed up new to the game, but they're already, you know, clicking off wins. And, you know, you got the resurgence of RFK, you know, of Roush Fenway. Um, you've got to get yours while you can. And if Richard Childress isn't growing now and becoming uh, that, that staple again in the Chevrolet camp, uh, then somebody else is going to come along and, and steal that sunshine. Uh, right. And so, you and, know, and, Austin's actually holding the company back, even though he made the best business decision ever, and that was by bringing Kyle Busch in. Right. And both of the Dill boys need to stay, take a step back get out of the cars and learn the business from Pop Pop. Hey, look, they've, they've had a great career, all of, all of them. They've been racing 15 years now. Um, their grandfather made them start at the very bottom. You know, look, saying is that three car could have, uh, uh, you know, a, a potential hot hand, in that seat, you know, just imagine if that seat did open up, who it could attract to go race there um, and what names uh, could actually fill the seat. But we're also in this transitional generation where we don't know quite who the next superstar is. And uh, all right. of that's still decided, you know, whether or not Eric Jones is ever going to break out. Like William Byron, I think, which was another humongous storyline this year, was William Byron, of course, getting – uh, finally breaking out, like, you know, finally not uh, disappearing after the first five races of the season. Uh, this was William Byron's breakout year. And, uh, you know, who is the next cup driver to break out? Will it be a Ty Gibbs? Could it be, you know, a future uh, with Zane Smith? Could it be, um, you know, does Noah Gregson, uh, does his career come to fruition, you know? Uh, who is the next superstar? I've always felt like Eric Jones had that ability. Christopher Bell. Like, I think he's the dark horse for the championship this year. I really don't think people give Christopher Bell enough credit for being um, kind of similar to Kevin Harvick. They're around at the end, right? Like, Christopher Bell might not be nowhere in the race, but if they're at the end, he's somehow in the top five, right? And I feel like that's a that's a talent. Uh, that is like you know it reminds me of Matt Kenseth. Kenseth never did qualify well, but by the end of the race, where was Kenseth? Right, right up front. Well, that's Christopher Bell, and, and uh, you know, he's a he's a legit threat this year for a championship. Was he inconsistent through a lot of the first part of the season? For sure, but uh, the kid seems to thrive in pressure situations. And so, um, you know, that would be probably the biggest storyline that could happen is if Christopher Bale somehow wound up a Cup Series champion. 
we are certainly witnessing a changing of the guard here. You know, and with all of this young talent coming up, you're right, there's a lot of questions. And as the as the guard is changing, there's going to be less of the old school drivers to learn from. And how is that going to affect the racing going forward? Right. Uh, obviously, we already see it mentally. They're a lot more aggressive now. And I think some of these older guys are, you know, they, they were in the generation of the gentleman racer. They're not, they don't race like that anymore. Um, did they, once these drivers are gone, that uh, give and take from the driver will be completely gone. Like, I feel like maybe Martin Truex Jr. probably gives Kevin Harvick a break. Um, Kevin Harvick probably gives, uh, you know, Kyle Larson a break here. There, you know, Maybe Kyle Larson is not old enough. Maybe we, you know, maybe you have to be a little bit, maybe Amarola gets more breaks out there than anybody. It's really, it's crazy. Like, we're at the point now where Eric Amarola is a, you know, at the end of his career, right? Like, um, that's just, you know, like you said, Miss Lee, the, the changing of the guard. We are now down to Kyle Larson is the Wiley veteran of the sport, and he's not even been a superstar for a couple of years. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of left vulnerable right now. Uh, Chase Elliott hasn't panned out to be the superstar but he is. Kyle Busch, over the last three years, has not been as productive um, as he was in his dominant era. Um, of course, the retirement of Jeff Gordon. Um, there's been so many, you know, I guess question marks created. Where is the superstar of NASCAR? Could it be Tyler Reddick? Could it be Christopher Bell? You know, um, or maybe it's one of these new guys coming along, Carson Hesselar. I read an article today that said uh, that Carson Hesselar's career changed when Dale Earnhardt asked him after he got out of a race car when was he going to quit wrecking shit. <laughs> you know, it was at that moment that Carson Hesselar said, you know, it's right. When am I going to quit wrecking shit? <laughs> and he's a better driver because of it. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe a light bulb just went off. And you know, I didn't think Carson Hesselar had any talent whatsoever when he first came in. The guy did some crazy things bringing out precautions and, you know, just doing whatever, you know, whatever Carson Hosevar uh, felt like he needed to do. And I was like, man, this kid ain't going to make it, right? He's hitting everything out on the racetrack. Now, all of a sudden, is he a legit, um, you know, cup? he's got a legit cup ride coming with Toyota. He's going to give a lot of uh, technical support to this new team that's coming. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we've got the a big season ahead of us in 2024. You know, we've seen the schedule change a little bit. I'm not so happy about that. But uh, all in all, I think the NASCAR has got a product that they're going to grow, and somebody is going to take the reins and be the next superstar here in the Cup Series. Any closing thoughts on that? Miss Lee, did you ever put your uh, your two cents in on your storyline of the year? Well, no, not really. I just wanted to circle back to um, when we were talking about Bowman and um, Adam Stern reported that 
Ally and uh, Team Hendrick just had a big to-do. And Ally CEO Jeff Brown left to become the president of Hendrick Cars, which works with Ally's auto lending group. So I have a feeling that Bowman's not going anywhere for a while because Ally's been his major sponsor. Um, Well, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. You know, just, just like every other major corporation in the country, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, and you know, you got a spot here, I got a spot there, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Major Typically, story when you hear line. leadership change, when you hear leadership yeah. change, though, a lot of times that kind of makes things iffy. You know, the next uh, one that comes in to run the company uh, may not see NASCAR as a legit asset. You know, that's the one thing that has right. to be that, that these companies have to look at is whether or not they're a legit asset. And I think that's been the problem NASCAR's had uh, with selling sponsorship is whether or not it is a legit asset. And uh, I think as, uh, you know, we've watched Todd leave and, and uh, worldtechnologies.com come in, you know, those are two completely different types of consumer uh, products, right? Um, right. You know, you, what do you use World Technology for? WWT Worldwide Technology for? Well, I don't know, but if they have a .com, well, you know what you use Todd for. So, you know, the strategy and how sponsorship is sold and what they're actually um, attempting to advertise on these race cars is probably not what we were used to back in the '90s. So, you know, it's really not a. Um, it's it's it, it's not the proven fact that me putting this on the side of the race car actually generates sales or revenue because I'm selling this product. Uh, CrowdStrike, I think, is one of the biggest ones, like from Formula One. Most people don't even know what CrowdStrike is, but they pay $120 million a year to be on the side of Lewis Hamilton's race car. So Right. Um, that's, a, that's a whole lot of dope. Well, and and you also have to look at not only from the company's perspective, but from NASCAR's perspective as well, as they're trying to gain demographics, what are the companies that can help them draw demographics? Right. So, you know, that, that, yeah, that NASCAR that's selling itself in the, in the technology Right. Now, NASCAR sells itself in the technology world, and they've been doing that for quite a while. But it's a lot different type of sponsorship these days than, like I said, you know, uh, an oil station or, um, you know, Tide or STP or Old Spice. You know, those are not the types of sponsors you see anymore on the sides of these race cars. Even products like M&Ms and stuff like that are no longer being displayed on the race car. So. You know, that it's definitely a different environment, definitely a different uh, way of advertising, definitely different products being advertised uh, by NASCAR. But, hey, um, I'm looking forward to the growth, and I think, uh, you know, um, 
we're we're got we're still heading in the right direction. It's good to see a lot of the uh, road courses cut back for next year. I think that's kind of a laugh in uh, Jim France's face that hey, you're not going to turn this into the IMSA series. Thank God Lisa Kennedy stopped that from happening. Um, and uh, Ben as well. Ben probably has a lot to learn still. Uh, making this schedule is going to be probably one of his biggest regrets later on because the race teams are just going to kill him. The one thing that I did see about it was we're not running straight back to California after uh, Daytona. So that's that's kind of a big plus. Uh, I didn't understand how they were going to sell something to be cost-effective when we went out uh, to L.A. and then had to go to Daytona and then right back to uh, Auto Club. <laughs> the west coast swing um yeah but uh, so this year we'll go to atlanta but atlanta in february is going to be a disaster because it's going to be freezing ass cold nobody's going to show up but uh outside of that i think i'm i'm exhausted of things to say what about you guys any, any closing remarks before we go into the task top picks i'm surprised we didn't hit the the storyline of the year being rfk oh gosh right wow how did we forget that one? RFK, man. For RFK sure. has turned me into a believer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, they are souvenir trailers worth going to. Um, and uh, I, I, I want to continue to see that race team headed in this direction. I, I think it's hilarious that a two-car operation is the, is the dominant team. And after Ford basically forgetting about uh, Roush over the last few years. Now Roush can forget about the rest of the four teams because uh, he's back on top, and and I and I'm glad for that. I know it makes Jack uh, sleep better at night knowing that the race team is headed back in the right direction. And you know, kudos to Jack for knowing that. Hey, it was time to uh, bring somebody else that could help better the company. I said from the get go the BK was the best thing that happened to that team. So I'm happy for them. Storyline. Even bigger storyline of somehow Christopher Bush winds up as, as the champion. Uh, if we get two Christophers in the championship and I win the championship, that would actually be three Christophers. So, um, yeah. Like, there's Christophers everywhere. <laughs> We're all going for championships. <laughs> all right, Taz, let's get your hot picks in. I know I got Alrighty. some favorites here. Alrighty, so I gotta speaking of that, I gotta type it out to you guys. So for Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, for race number two of the round of eight, we are looking at the favorites of Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson. Contenders, I know some people are going to have a fit with it, but I, with how he's performing this year, I have no choice but to put him in this category. Um, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and I put Brad Keselowski as a contender. For the underdogs, I have, oh boy, Mr. 
Mr. Wonderful Rhinestone Cowboy over there. Um, AJ Almendinger and Eric Almarola. And the floor and the floor is open for obviously any drivers to fill. Or if you have questions or concerns about why I put drivers where I put them. Well, you know, at first, yeah, I see Austin Dillon, and I agree, you know, this could be a strong track based off the car company. Um, RCR has been pretty strong at these types of uh, mile-and-a-half speedways. But if that's the case, I'm looking, and I just don't see Kyle Busch's name anywhere. Obviously, um, this may not be Kyle Busch's one of his more favorite tracks, uh, but um, if you put Austin Dillon in as an underdog, I, I definitely would uh, argue the point that Kyle Busch probably deserves to at least be an underdog, if not a, an actual contender for this race, knowing the success that RCR has had at the mile and a half speedway. I'm well, just saying. Kyle Busch, I can argue at least a contender, being that he has a 15.0 average finish. Um, in 18 starts, he finished outside the top 10 seven times. Um, he has led 465 laps out of the four of the little over 4,500 he has completed. Um, his he does have two wins, and obviously those two wins uh, sealed his two championships. The decision where to put him has to take into consideration the fact that he is in totally different equipment this year. I can see the point that uh, Ms. Lee's making. That's, uh, I mean, I feel like that at this racetrack, mile-and-a-half program, we've seen success from Eric Jones. We've seen success from Trackhouse. We've seen success from RCR Racing. Um, this is a track that favors more of a drafting-style racetrack, and um, I think that that's where uh, these Childress cars have found a lot of speed is those type of style racetracks. And we've seen how well Kyle Busch ran this past week at Las Vegas. Homestead is kind of a sister, not a twin sister, but definitely a sister of Las Vegas. So I'm comfortable in the contender spot. I I think I'm okay with that too. All right, so Kyle Busch as a contender. Right. If we're throwing him in as a contender, then I need to throw in um, Tyler Reddick as a contender. That well, that's was, my, I'm not that putting was my next argument. That Maybe not as a contender. Next. But but definitely as a as an underdog. Uh, I wouldn't put Tyler. The, I wouldn't put Tyler Reddick anywhere else. I would. I think he's a solid contender because I don't see him. I don't see him as an underdog because of the sense that he has competitive equipment. We we know he has the capabilities of running up front and not only compete easy for top tens and top fives, but he can compete for wins. And at a track that <clears throat> yeah, he's won on he the won Xfinity side and, and is yet to win on the cup side at this track, 
Um, he he's got he's got what it takes, and in three starts, he's finished outside not only the top ten but the top five only once. He has two top fives and two top ten, so he's right there. I just don't see him as a favorite. I see him as a legit no, I, contender. I don't see him as a favorite either, but I agree on contender. Well, I do have one person that I know is a favorite that's not on this list, and I'm sure most of y'all would think that that would be William Byron, and I do have a good feeling about William Byron, but my argument today is with Christopher Bell. And like we've done in the past there is that we could, I don't see Bell as a favorite, even though our contender list is basically full. Um, we can, obvi- we can obviously talk, obviously talk about him. Um, there's been, I mean, there's been times where well, you have to think about it this way. Well, all right, if we're going to definitely throw Christopher Bell in the contender list, then we need to move Kyle Busch up, in my honest opinion. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no. Because I can't see Fine. moving Chase Elliott. I can't see moving Chase Elliott as a favorite. With how Kevin Harvick has performed, without Kevin Harvick has performed this year, and despite Harvick's stat showing, I can't move him up because Harvick's literally finished outside the top ten at Homestead three times out of all the Homestead races he's done, and he has the best. And yes, he has the best average finish of active Cup drivers with a seven point three, but with how Harvick has performed. This year, I can't list Harvick as a favorite. No, you see those top eight, those top eight and points. Those the, the win's going to come from one of those guys, and one of those guys has to be that favorite. And I'm 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 not so keen on putting Kyle Busch as the favorite because he's not in that top eight. But Bell is, and so is Byron. And I believe both of those guys probably deserve uh, to be in that favorite because, first of all, that type of style racetrack does uh, follow into the type of style racing uh, that Christopher Bell. Now, you could also argue that that, that uh, Reddick could be just as favorable as Bell based off of that scenario. I'm just saying Bell's got the better equipment than Reddick. So you kind of automatically have to assume that he will have a better chance at a, a, a better finish at that racetrack. So I'm voting for Bell and Byron to both be in the favorite list. Um, Byron. Hmm. Give me some stats, Taz. You you know I'm you know I'm trying to counter you, Chris. <laughs> you know damn well I'm I trying to. I just don't to. know why we would leave people that are in the top eight for the championship. 
we've seen through most of the championship when it gets to here, we now are connected to the guys who are going to win. And that's right. going to be a Blaine. So, that's going to be a Truick. So that's going to be one of these guys that's in the top eight because that's where the resources are going. And right, that, so they're not going to go. So our eight active playoff drivers, we have Truex on the list as a favorite, arguably so being that he has the second best, well, tied for second best average finish of active cup drivers, one win, seven top fives, 12 top tens, and 18 races, and has led 377 laps. Um, the next one is Denny Hamlin. Eight, in the same amount of starts, has three wins, five top fives, 12 top tens. Arguably, um, actually, there's no argument. He's easily a favorite right there. Kyle Larson, we've already listed as a favorite. He's the next one in line. Nine starts. One win, five top fives, and five top tens. Um, The next one going down the list is Christopher Bell. Only shows one top ten with a 13.0 average finish. Then you look at Tyler Reddick in three races. um, As I mentioned earlier, two top fives and two top tens with a 13.7. So he's so depend so that one I'm thinking that one race he did not finish in the top five and top ten was not a good run for him. Um next one under him goes down to William Byron. Five races, one win, one top five, two top tens, has led hundred and thirty four laps. Mind you, Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell, I forget to mention earlier, have led um three or four laps each um, under Byron is Brian Blaney who only has one top five one top ten uh, has led for 70 laps with an 18.6 average finish um, and then the last one is Chris Busher, who has yet to record a top ten at Homestead But Chris, yeah. we do have to remember. We do have to remember. I know we saw it in the last round with the Roval, but it seems like the round of eight is where a non-playoff driver can pull an upset out of the bag. So that widens the field. And that's why that's why if we were if we were highly pushing Christopher Bell to get on this list, I would put him as a contender and I'm pushing Kyle Bush up to a favorite. Right. Well, we still got an underdog to figure out. Um I feel like an oddball – well, I'm going to throw an oddball underdog into this one. And I know we've mentioned his name quite a few times this year, but I feel like in the last few weeks we really haven't. And that out of front row motors, front row camp, Michael McDowell, 
I know the equipment is not there. I know I know the equipment's not there. He has two top ten, so I mean he does have the capability. <clears throat> Hey, and those cars are coming out of RFK shop, so. Um, well, you got me talking sold. about spoilers, what about Chastain? Mm. I that guy could, never quit. I want to, I'm, I can only throw him an underdog. I can't see a legit contender out of him. No, I can see him as an underdog. Yeah. I was thinking that. I mean, now we have our underdog list basically full. I mean, obviously have, there's more underdogs. I mean, I know there's more underdogs out there like Ty Gibbs, Daniel Suarez, to name a couple. Um, shoot, Eric Jones, as Chris has mentioned. Yeah, he's like my favorite underdog. But we have contenders and favorites to figure out. We have a Christopher Bell named Quoten. Um Guys like Joey Logano haven't been mentioned. Um, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney hasn't been mentioned. Just to, just to name a couple. Alex Bowman, even? No, I see uh, Joey Logano as that possible outside winner. So if anybody got to win, Logano has a win at home. Right. What's his average? Um, average finish is a 15.0, which is the same as Kyle Busch. Wow. But he has, but Logano, in his defense, has four less starts than Kyle Busch, has one less win, one less top five, but five less top tens. Hmm. Not so much the, the trade isn't favoring that much, though. You got me. All right, I'll I'll do you I'll do you one I'll I'll do you one, Chris, and see how you like this little mm-hmm. exchange. Okay. If you want to push Bell and Logano on the contender list, how about we push Kyle Bush and Tyler Reddick into the favorite category? I'm good with All right. that. All right, I'm good with that. Dang, we all think alike. I mean, yeah, we should decide governments. We're we're, have, we're good I, as lawmakers, right? How about that? Take that because picture I out. Like, I feel like this yeah, could be have Tyler. That, we have that decision done in a heartbeat. That's right. Because I feel like Tyler. All right, I'm looking at Tyler Reddick's um, Homestead Miami stats. 
And yes, the three years were with RCR 8 car. So in 2020, he started 24th and finished 4th. In 2021, he started 35th and finished 2nd. Last year, he was involved in a crash where he started 7th and finished 35th. But if we go back to that 2022 race, Tyler Reddick finished top 10 in at least one of those two stages. So he was a top 10 running car. I think he's legit. I think he's a dark horse. I think he's legit. I think he's a dark horse for the championship, but I feel like Homestead is, if he, I feel like Homestead, he has to get it here if he wants to run for the championship. Because right. I don't feel yeah, like Martinsville sure. will be his, I don't feel like Homestead will be his, uh, his, his milk and cookies, I should say. Right, right. All hands on deck to get him here. Because Martinsville is Denny's house. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like Martinsville, Martinsville will be a Toyota track. <laughs> and you know dang well it's going to be Hamlin, Truex, or Bell going to sneak in there. That just knows that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it tonight. <laughs> All right, has it been decided? Is the, is the uh, panel full? The panel is full. All right. It's getting harder and harder, man, as we close it out. I want to thank you fans for, you know, being with us, not only tonight, but throughout the year. We look forward to finishing the season off with a bang. Don't forget our very last uh, show of the season will actually be the Sunday night of the race. And we also will conclude, uh, we'll begin at the conclusion of um, the Phoenix race after the Cup champion is crowned. And uh, we'll come on for about an hour. And we'll talk about what we watched. And we'll kiss everybody goodbye. And uh, we'll come back and uh, regroup for 2024 race season. But um, still got a couple also, of shows before that. And also, Chris, not only do we crown a Cup Series champion, we're going to be crowning our first ever 110 Nation Race Chat Live NASCAR Pool champion. Woohoo! And it, and, and it could come down to me and Mr. CJ Sports. That's what we were laughing about last night. I think there's eight points that separate us. I mean, that's if that's if nobody under the cut line, you know, sneaks their way in. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt, that could happen. But you're eliminated, right? Yeah, Not my one my mean. one hiccup my one hiccup from Talladega costed me. Because I, yeah. I was, I mean, I literally felt the playoff drama like I was a driver during the Roval. 
I'm like, I need to make up points. I literally had the tie and where it counted most in stage three, it just came up six spots short. Well, that's the way it goes. Yeah, it's been a cool season, and I like the format. And uh, you know, I was expecting to look and see myself further ahead than that, and then I had to remember that uh, we reset the points. So that's the reason why everybody's so close. But um, hey, man, it's been a great night. Thank y'all for being here. Um, we can't wait to uh, be back next week, next Tuesday night, race chat live, man. How about sending us off there, Ted? All right, we want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss a live show, you can always look for any forms of podcasts to listen to us, such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and on Amazon Music. Speaking of YouTube, head on over to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. You'll find all sorts of content, like not only our full shows, but even clips of our shows. If you don't have, if you want to listen to a certain subject or get a quick glimpse of what our shows are like, not only Race Chat Live, but also Mr. CJ and Mario with the 110 Nation Sports radio show on Wednesday nights, or Jared's uh, safety to success shows on Thursday or even clips on the Monday show of the 110 Nation Race Chat Live exclusive. Um, of course, other behind-the-scenes content um, will probably go up during our downtime as well. And also make sure you go follow us on the 110 Nation Facebook page. Also, um, the Race Chat Live Facebook page as well. So, and we want to thank the sponsors for making the 110 Nation roll. Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Designs, More to Music, Entertainment Karaoke, and Yellow Caution Flag Productions. We want to thank everyone for listening on to Race Chat Live. Same bat time. Same bat place next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Clayton, Mama Bear 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flagger. Taz Taylor saying good night. We'll see you all next week. Good night. Good night, everybody. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.